Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Rod Pepping. Welcome. If you are visiting or or new here, we are in the middle of our Family Gather series, which is in August. We give our our, uh, a lot of our workers uh, the month off to kind of regroup, group, and get ready. And then we do a family friendly series this time uh, for for this month. It has been superheroes, uh, which has been really really fun. So. So I kicked off the series uh, two weeks ago, and then uh, Ashley Dalen absolutely crushed it last week. Were you here for that? All five of you. Come on, give it, would you give her a hand real quick? Uh, if you weren't here, you have to go listen to it. It was that good. And, and here's what I love about Salem Alliance is, is you guys have a great preaching team. Uh, and I love that everybody doesn't sound or, or preach the same way, that we have women and men from the stage that are bringing the truth of God. Uh, I just love it. I, I was probably in the message about five minutes. I leaned over to Diane. I said, I would never go in this direction, but it's so good. So I just love that. She spoke last week on Batman. She talked about how your story will inform your mission and really the idea that, that uh, what you've gone through in your life will really inform uh, how you're on mission. So like I said, if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. I thought it was great. Uh, This week, I'm dealing with the Hulk. And so absolutely, which is is a great superhero to deal with. Uh, And we're going to have some fun this morning. So uh, as you guys are getting your, your fruit snacks and doing that, let me tell you a little bit about the Hulk. It was, uh, the story goes that there was a Dr. Banner who got in a car accident uh, and his wife was pinned under the car and his wife died. He couldn't save his wife. So what does he do? He goes out to fix the idea of having superhuman strength and he accidentally gets blasted with gamma radiation, whatever that is, it just sounds like something. And uh, And then he has this alter ego. So when he gets angry, He turns into the Hulk, right, which is this big green creature that likes to smash things. Now, if you are, uh, if you watch Hulk now uh, in the Avenger movies, he like jumps across oceans and, you know, things, you know, tanks can shoot him and he throws tanks and all of that. But if, if you grew up in the generation I did, it was Lou Ferrigno, right, which is a big guy, but it wasn't super big. But the interesting thing is, is his superpower is getting angry. And I'm sure it's like you. When you get angry, it brings you to a healthy place, a good place, (laughs) where you do good things in your life when you're angry, right? I mean, that's probably good for all of us. So I I just find it fascinating that it's it's about anger, but it does good. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But, But I would say this, it's not anger it may be anger that you have an issue with, but more than not, I think it's anger in a relational setting, right? It's, it's how do we do this stuff together? I have done many premarital uh, appointments over the years, and, and one of the, the number one things that is hardest for couples to figure out is conflict. A- actually, it's not conflict that they have a problem with. It's doing conflict well, right? Everybody does conflict. It's figuring out how to do that healthy. And, and most times it's because 
we just do conflict how we were taught, how we see it. And so one of the questions I always ask is, how, how do your parents do conflict? And one of the number one uh, things that I've heard that always shocked me when I first started was they would say, I've never seen my parents argue. And I go, well, do you think they argue? And people are like, oh yeah, I'm sure they do. I don't agree with everything. And, but, but we just don't see it. They do it behind closed doors. And I remember when I started as a pastor and I heard this, I used to tell Diane, um, I don't want to fake a fight, but if we have a fight and we disagree about something, we should let the kids see it, at least see how we work through it. So maybe you're from that place of never seeing conflict happen in your home. Or maybe you're from the other extreme of seeing abusive, angry conflict. And so if those are your two sides, uh, it's really, really difficult to find how do we do conflict and anger in a, in a healthy, relatable way. James uh, 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Feel free. If, if you want to open your Bibles, you don't need to. Everything will be back here on the screen. But uh, we're going to be in James 1, 19 and 21 this morning. Uh, so let's read that. Uh, it says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. What a great scripture. A couple things about that scripture. One is, is I hope you heard the rhythm of quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. It's a little bit like a dance, right? Quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. The next thing is verse 20 in there uh, that I read is this. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Most scholars believe that that was just a common um, idiom of the day that that was said. So it wasn't necessarily something James came up with, but that was something that was happened. Now, I'm not going to say I've had anger issues in the past, but I will say this was one of the first verses I ever memorized out of the Bible. Just saying. And so uh, I memorized it that man's anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Man's anger. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk about angry. I want to talk about how we're, sometimes we don't listen well, how sometimes we don't, you know, speak all that well. But I'd like to at least be on it. Can we be honest in this room? I think we can. And so here's what I'm going to say. Anger is a heart issue. Anger is not an attitude or a behavior issue. In other words, you, you may not go home and kick the dog and punch a hole in the wall and because of that, you may go, Rod, I don't have any anger issues. Or you may say this, Rod, I just have righteous indignation. I mean, it's really not man's anger. It's, you know, I'm angry at the things God's angry at. And you're probably not. You're probably just angry. And, and so what's interesting about this is when it says man's anger or, uh, or uh, human anger, as it says in this one, that word is actually the word wrath. And what it means is this. It's not talking about God's anger. It's saying when you have anger or resentment towards one another. So let's just say this. If you're angry and it's, it has to do with anybody else, guess what? That's you. And that anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in your life. 
And I know that's tough and I know that's difficult. So that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. But we're in superheroes. So here's what I've done. I've created 10 of my own superheroes. And we're gonna walk through them. I just, I thought, what a fun way to do it. So the first one's quick to listen. So my first superhero is this, Captain Space Cadet. If you're Captain Space Cadet, you are not quick to listen. This is what that means. You say something, the other person starts talking, and you blast off into space. You're not listening. It's like, wah, 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 wah. You're like, oh, I got to do this. I've got this appointment going on. Did I leave the iron on? What am I doing? And then, and then there's a lull in the conversation, and you realize you haven't heard a word anybody said. And you stop, and you go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they start talking again, and then you're off into space, right? If you listen that way, you may be Captain Space Cadet. I remember in school that would happen, right? For all the kids in the room, the teacher would start talking, you'd be thinking about recess or something else. And, uh, and of course they would call on me and I wouldn't have a clue what was going on. So the next one is this, is the super techno listener. You may be a super techno listener if you're like this. It's okay, I'm just texting, it's okay. No, it's real. I'm listening, you know, and you're texting to my family, which was great because I, te- I did that in uh, the last service and my daughter, I text her and she sent back, you're done already? I was like, no, no, I'm not done already. <laughs> so I put it in my pocket. The thing was just buzzing the whole service. But uh, anyway, you may be that. And that's tough because we all feel like we need to be connected. Here's a secret. We didn't have phones like this like 15 years ago and the world still kept going. And you had conversations with people that didn't just look like this. Now, listen, I don't have a problem with this, but it drives me nuts when my daughter does, right? No, I do too, right? I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those. What, what I do now is, because there are emergencies and I do need to be reached, that I take my phone out and I will set it down uh, during during uh, meetings or I'll set it out during lunches so that way if it is I can kind of glance and see if it's if it's an emergency but more than not when we're having a conversation and we're doing this if you're a super techno listener you are not being quick to listen the next one this is the amazing answer man You may not be quick to listen if you're the amazing answer man. The amazing answer man is the person who is not really listening. They're just preparing their next argument in their head, right? And so as soon as you take a breath or the other person takes a breath, they're jumping in with their next point. And so it's not really about listening where the other person is going. It's about creating your own arguments. Now, usually this can be me or this can be you if it's a tougher conversation, if you're maybe in an argument or whatever, and so you're trying to prepare your next, because it's your, your side or you, it's really important that you know, everybody believes like you do, so you just prepare the answers in your head. And then uh, the last one I have is this, is the great gossiper. You may be not quick to listen if you're the great gossiper. And what I mean by that is you're not really listening to have empathy. You're listening to kind of, oh man, you're being judgmental in your head. I can't believe that they said that or I can't believe that person did that. And, and so you're gathering information about people. You're not really being quick to listen. If, if you are one of these, and, and I'll say this, maybe you're none of these, maybe it's just your friends and neighbors that are those, and you can share that with them later, but if you find yourself in one of these categories, 
And you're, you're like, Rod, yep, it's me. I, it's really hard for me to be quick to listen. Let me give you a couple pointers uh, that I've found over the years that really helps with this. The first one is to stay engaged in the conversation, right? It is keeping eye contact, trying to stay engaged, really listening to the person. And the next one is repeating back what you've heard. Now, I know many people go, man, that would drive me. I'm not talking about mimicking each other like you were when you were 10 and driving each other nuts. But I am saying, uh, when somebody says, Rod, I was really upset when you did this and this. And I say, okay, so let me hear. What I hear you saying is when I'm doing this, that this isn't okay and then that you'd like that I don't do that anymore. And they go, yeah. And then you're like, okay, so I know I've heard you. Let me give you a great example of this and how it can go wrong. And if you don't do it, uh, I can go sideways. I was in Alaska a couple years and I was locked in a, in, a, in a fierce conversation. I had an elder that was in this conversation trying to tell me why I should leave the church and I was trying to tell the elder why I thought he should leave the church, right? It was, one of, it was, it was a great, healthy conversation. <laughs> and I invited a third party into the room, somebody who loved both of us that was a neutral party that could listen. And the elder got up and started uh, communicating in a very loud manner uh, about some stuff. And I remember when he was done, I said, I can't believe that you would think that. And I can't believe that you would say that. I am so hurt. Uh, look at what I've done. And I said, blah, blah, why would you ever say that? And the third party go, Rod, he didn't say that at all. I was like, you were in the room. Are you kidding me? I said, that is exactly what he said. He goes, no, he didn't. He said this. And I heard that and said, no, he didn't. And I learned something very important that day. There are times I hear what I'm feeling more than I hear what, heard what was being said. And if you're in a tough conversation, sometimes what you're hearing is not at all what's being said. You're hearing what you think their intent is or what their motives are. And so the best way to combat that is to repeat, hey, what I heard you say was this, this, and this. And if they say that wasn't at all what I said, you go, okay, could you, could you explain then say it again, and then I'm going to repeat it again to make sure we're on the same page. Doing that, all of a sudden you become quick to listen. Now, one thing I would say about that is this, is that people don't need to be right, they just need to be heard. People don't feel like they need to be right, they just need to be heard. And, and let me say this, I don't think that James is giving you three random things here, right? I don't think that it's, it's just, um, that, that it's like, hey, you need to do this, and then hey, let's throw this piece in, and then let's throw this in. He literally is saying, be quick to listen, because if you're quick to listen, you'll be slow to speak. And if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you'll be slow to be angry. And so I think that each of these builds on each other. So if we are quick to listen, we're going to be slow to speak. And my next superhero for slow to speak is Dr. Overtalker. Maybe you've met somebody like this. And they just talk, 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 talk. <gasps> And talk, 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 talk. You may be an overtalker if you have people over to your house and you're talking to them and they walk out to the driveway and you're still talking to them and they get in their car and they shut the door and you're still talking to them. If that happens, you're an overtalker. Sorry. I have met people like that. 
I've been in houses over talkers and it's always funny because you have to give, I have to give my wife the eye like it's time to go like 45 minutes early, right? So you have to kind of plan your exit because of over talkers. The next one is this, it's the one upper woman. You've met these people. I like, people are groaning, I love it. So this is the person who always has a better story, right? A one better story than the next. They say, oh man, I was flying over the Grand Canyon. It was so beautiful. Flying? I, I spent 10 days in the Grand Canyon on a donkey. Or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. It's a, now, I, I want to be honest. I can be this guy. And it's not because I want to be better than anybody. I get so excited and I'm in a conversation. And I got some good stories and I want to tell you. And so you say one and I say one and you say one and I say one. And I get home and my wife goes, Rod, you have a lot of words. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And so it's just funny because I can be this way and it doesn't, you may be a one-upper and it may not be because you're trying to be better than anybody. You just want to have the conversation. And what I have learned uh, over the years is that sometimes you'll say something and you'll have a story and, and it'll trigger a story in my head. And if I shut up long enough, I realize that, the, that my story doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. I just want to speak, right? So... I said it before, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about. So for me, <laughs> I just want to add to the conversation. And I've learned to kind of tone that back sometimes. Sometimes not, but most times I have. So if that's you and you go, man, I am, it is tough. I am fast to speak. I am not slow to speak. I want you to be the Timex man. That's our next superhero. I want you to be the Timex man. Now, the Timex man is a superhero that has a natural built-in clock in his head. And I've had to learn how to do this. It's like, okay, Rod, I've been talking for about 45 seconds to a minute. Now I need to shut up for 45 seconds to a minute, right? And have a natural rhythm. Because here's relationships are this way. You talk, you listen, you talk, you listen. It's not just you talking. So if you're this way, learn like, okay, you've been talking for a couple minutes, be quiet, let the other person and listen and enjoy the conversation and then speak again. And so you can have this back and forth slow to speak. The next thing is this. If we are quick to listen and slow to speak, we will be slow to be angry, right? Slow to anger. So let's talk about this a little bit. The first superhero in slow to anger is this, mega personal man. This is the person that gets offended at everything. It's a Facebook post, I don't know, it's, it's whatever it is, and they're like, I can't believe you did, I am so offended. Okay, so now everybody in the room is like, oh, at least this isn't me. You may be mega personal man if your football team loses and the rest of you the day is shot. All the guys look like they spilled change. They just went like this. I'm not really sure. Uh, this has been me in the past. This uh, is totally me. I, I remember a few years ago, somebody said, Rod, I don't really want to come over and watch football at your house because, you know, you get a little intense. What do you mean? Now, now, I get it. Listen, I'm not playing on my team. How come I feel like I should be? I'm an out-of-shape white guy sitting on the couch eating chips, and I am indignantly angry at the guy that missed the tackle. I'm like, you had one job. You couldn't tackle him. 
I mean, he's only seven foot tall and runs like a four second 40. Like how couldn't you catch, right? Like how, all of a sudden I think I could do it better or I think the, the play caller's an idiot, right? And I'm like, why, why is he calling those plays? I don't know why I get so intense. And I had to learn this, that somehow my identity was tied up in my football team. Like all of a sudden my football team loses, I feel less than, I feel like something's wrong. Now, nothing in my day had changed from the 45 minutes before that to this point, and my whole day was wrecked the rest of the day. And so I had to learn, hey, if that's you, you're mega personal man. Here's another good example of mega personal man, because it's me. If somebody cuts you off on the road and you think they personally did that to you, you may be mega personal man. A great uh, mentor of mine told me this one time. He said, people aren't against you, they are for themselves. Which is a great one, right? Because I feel like they're against me. And when they're cutting me off, I feel like they, they knew I was in the car and they knew I was there and they intentionally did that to make me mad. And then my wife right next to me will be like, Rod, maybe they're in a hurry or maybe they're late for an appointment. And then I'm like, oh, maybe they are. Come on in. Oh, it's okay. It's, right? Like all of a sudden I humanize those people and I'm not so angry. Uh, in Alaska, we used to have these bumper stickers with the name of our church on it, which was really funny because those people would just cut you off like crazy. And, <laughs> and I would be like, I would never be angry. I'd be like, oh, it's somebody from our church. Come on in. You, might, you just must need to get there. And you know, I always hated it on my car because then they were like, oh, there's Rod again, cutting me off or, you know, whatever. But, but I think when, when we start to, to humanize people, we don't all of a sudden think that they're all out to get against us. So if you drive and you get really irritated, maybe you're mega personal man. The next one is this, is the invisible woman. Now, I said earlier that anger has to do with a heart issue. It's not always behavior. Here's the invisible woman. I'm fine. Uh, I'm not angry, it's, it, it's okay. And then you don't talk to that person for like three months. You, you may be the invisible woman. If you're stuffing everything, that doesn't mean you don't have an anger issue. I've met people and they're like, look at Rod, I'm not yelling at people, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, but you're holding resentments and all of a sudden you're being passive aggressive and you know, things are coming out in unhealthy ways. You've got an anger issue. You're just not, you know, uh, expressing it. And so uh, I just think that those people, uh, we would say in, in peacemaker ministries that those are the peace faking. You're pretending everything's fine, but in your head you're steaming, right? You go home at the end of the day and you're like, oh, I should have said this and this and this to him, right? That I've been there, you, you get done with a tough meeting and you walk out and then you remember all the smart things that you wish you would have said, right? And you relive it in your head over and over. You don't say anything to anybody, you know, but, but that's fine. You, you can do that. Those are the people that just avoid conflict. The next one is this, is Mr. Explosive. Now, this doesn't need to be abusive. There's many times when people are like, oh, you know, Mr. Explosive is abusive. I'm just talking about the people who wear it on their sleeve and they get really angry right away, right? And, and they might say, Rod, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. And I would say, no, you're angry, there's a difference. Now, I get this because I, I grew up in a house where whoever yells the loudest wins. So we can be at the dinner table and we can be talking about the kind of spaghetti sauce we like. 
And somebody from the, I remember Diane used to come into our house and be like, why are you people so angry? And I was happy. It's just, you have to yell louder than everybody else because that's how the game's played, right? And you just are yelling. And, and so uh, you would consider that maybe, especially if I had an issue that was Mr. Explosive. They wear it on their sleeve. Uh, they can be outburst. It can be abusive, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, but I just think these are the three ways that we are not slow to anger. So if you're sitting there going, man, I'm not really sure, here's how, here's how you're going to know what you are. On the ride home today, you're going to ask the person sitting next to you. And if you say, I can't believe you would say that, I am so hurt, you're mega personal, man. <laughs> if you go, no, I'm fine, you don't know what you're talking about, and don't say anything the rest of the day, you're stuffing it. Or if you go, I can't believe you. Maybe you're Mr. Explosive. So not sure how you deal with anger, but those are the ways. So what I want to talk about for the last couple minutes that I have is how do we deal with anger in a relational way? How do we do that well? Because uh, we may look at that list and go, yeah, no, that's me. And, but how do we deal with it? So I got four things for you. The first one is this. The best way, I think, to deal with anger is through honesty. And what I mean by that is I want you to ask the question, why am I getting angry? You see, anger is a secondary emotion. I remember the first time somebody told me that, I was like, what are you talking about? And the guy said, listen, when you get angry, it's a defensive mechanism, and it's really rooted in some other feelings. Great example, when my son was a little kid and he was being a knucklehead in Walmart or wherever, I would get angry. Now, why was I getting angry? Because because he was throwing a fit and somehow I think that that would reflect on me and I think that the other parents are looking going, he's a terrible parent and I can't believe his kids are acting that way. And so somehow they're a reflection of, of the perfect peace I want to put on the outside. So I get angry. Or if I'm in a meeting and I feel like somebody isn't including me in a conversation, I, why am I getting angry? Probably because I'm hurt and wounded and, and want to be a part of the conversation. Now, we're not always good at saying, I, I, I'm hurt and wounded or I don't feel it. We get angry and, and we express that in anger. And so as you find, if you find that you have a kind of a hair trigger or, or you find that you're getting angry more than you probably should, you need to start asking the question, why am I getting angry? What is underlying issue that is coming again and again? And if it's repetitive behaviors, that's a great thing to look at. Why is it repetitive behaviors? Why am I getting angry time and time and time again? The next one is this, take timeouts. Take timeouts. Now, for all of you conflict avoiders, you're like, sweet. We're going to talk about that 30 minutes after never, right? No, it's not what I'm talking about at all. I think timeouts are good, but if you're a, I don't want you to be a conflict avoider. I just think that there's ways to, to bring down the temperature with timeouts. Let me give you a, a great little uh, example of that. So, um, I uh, met Diane, and I was a single dad for a couple years. I had been married. I was divorced. Um, you know, life was a little tough. I was trying to get my life together. I met this wonderful woman, Diane, and, and, I, and I told her this. I said, okay, so before we get married, there's, one, there's just one thing I want you to know. This is the most important thing about me that you can know. And she said, what is it? And I said, I never want to get a divorce again. That's it. If, if nothing else in my life works out, I never want to get a divorce again. That was miserable. That was hard. And she, she was like, oh, that's a good thing to build a marriage on. I guess we'll start with that. And, and so I said, I don't know what to do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call somebody. 
And so um, I wasn't a Christian, so it wasn't like I could call a pastor. So I called this guy up. He was a marriage counselor. I said, I need to come see you. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, how long has your marriage been tough? I said, we're not married yet. I just, I need to come see you. And he was like, okay, come see. And I went to Diane and said, we're going to marriage counseling. She's like, we're just engaged. I'm like, I know, but we gotta do this. So we went and met with this guy a couple times. I don't remember a thing this guy said, except for this one piece. He looked at Diane and I and said, you guys need to figure out how to fight fair. Now, like I said, I didn't grow up in a great home that, uh, where conflict was done well. It was done very angrily with abusive tendencies. So, so I grew up in a house that, that didn't do that well. Diane didn't have perfect role models either for how to do conflict. So neither of us were bringing, uh, you know, uh, good cards to the table on how to do conflict. And so I, I was like, well, that's great, but I don't know how to do that. And so he said this, go home and make rules for fighting. Make rules on how you fight. Best advice we ever gave. Now, if you're gonna do this, please don't wait until you're in the middle of a fight to make rules. Because if you're like, okay, I'm making a rule. That's number five. You can't do that. You're, you're not gonna get anywhere, okay? Well, I'm gonna make rule number six. It's just gonna escalate. So we sat down when we were happy with each other and in love, and we wrote down these rules. Things like we can't hit each other. We can't call names. We can't bring up the past, which doesn't mean you can't talk about what you're fighting, but you can't do the, well, five years ago, you know, you said blah, blah. You just, you were not going to do that. Uh, we had like, I don't know, seven or eight rules that we came up that worked really well for us. And what helped us with that is when we were in the middle of a fight and one of us would cross the line, the other one would go, hey, that's not fair. You crossed the line. And it would totally de-escalate de it. I would be like, oh, that stinks. <laughs> I didn't mean to cross a line, but you know, so, so it was a really good thing. But one of the rules we had was you get to take a timeout. If things are escalating, you get to take a timeout. Because I never learned about timeouts, right? I was always in the principal's office for fighting, right? Because I didn't like something, I went boom, right? So that's just, it's what I learned at home. It just, so I didn't learn how to do timeouts. Now, how many of you have ever been in an argument and you went to bed very angry and you woke up in the morning and then you couldn't really remember what it was about or you were like, why was I so angry? It was not a big deal. Oh, one, two, th three. Okay, good. So there's three of us in this room that have learned the example of timeouts. Well, for all the rest of you, let me explain what this is about. If you take timeouts, I think it, it de-escalates things so well. It's a way of kind of removing yourself from the situations and learn to take timeouts. And like I said, you don't get to take a timeout for three weeks, but 10, 20 minutes, maybe one day, it can be really healthy. As long as you both agree, you're gonna come back and discuss why you needed to take timeouts and what the issue was. The third thing is this, is not only honesty and take timeouts, but get help. If you have anger issues, get help. Maybe some of you need to talk to a professional counselor. Maybe some of you need to go into to a life path group. Maybe it's a, a small group situation. Another great example is every week we have people that will be right here willing to pray with you. And I believe in the power of prayer. And I would say this, today... Well, from now on, you have no judgment. If you come down here and say, I, I'm having a problem with anger, we're not gonna assume that you're abusive or your life's out of control. Or, uh, you just no judgment. Just come down and say, hey, I, I need prayer. 
I'm always amazed at just the act of asking for prayer and being prayed for, how God can really unlock some things in our lives. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you're the first step for you of getting help with an anger issue is just asking for prayer. Or maybe it's uh, finding a friend that you can talk to. But I would say if you uh, are recognizing that there are destructive behaviors in your life, get help. The last one I have is this. Love each other. I know it sounds like, Rod, that's like, you know, blues clues, but just, just love each other. It's just basic. We live in an angry, divided society. And for the next 80 days, it's only going to get worse. And in our church, we have people that are going to vote for all kinds of people. And do you view them as brothers and sisters in Christ that you love? Or do you view them as the enemy that needs to think your way or you're going to destroy them? I'm just saying, I think most of our issues in our life, if we would treat each other with love and care for each other, it would be such a difference. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. Now, this is the rod interpretation. So if you look it up, it's not going to say it exactly like this. But here's what he says. He says, you could have all the truth that unlocks all the mysteries in the world. And if you don't speak it with love, it's like a clanging cymbal. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you get married, you read 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love, 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 love. It's just, it's one of those things we read, but do we really think about what it says? Think about if you had all the mysteries to all the world, that's, that's incredible. And you didn't say it with love, nobody cares and it wouldn't matter. That's a pretty high bar. It's saying that we need to love one another. No matter what, love one another. When you start to love one another and you start to to see people as brothers and sisters and people that you love and start to have empathy, you know what happens? All of a sudden, you become quick to listen. You listen to them. You want to know where they're coming from. You start to become slow to speak. Your point doesn't always matter as much. You're listening and you're having a conversation. And when those things happen, all of a sudden we realize that we are becoming slow to anger. If you'd bow your heads with me as we pray. Lord, thank you for today and just a great example of of how to deal with uh, anger in a relational setting. God, I just, uh, we love you. I'm so grateful that we got to worship with the kids leading us today and all the craziness that that brings in, Lord. Uh, Man, we just love you so much and we are just so grateful. I just pray that we would be a people that as we left here today, that what would continue to go through our mind would be quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. Lord, that we would learn this relational dance that we would learn how to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. We usually have the last song. It's a little like herding cats, so we didn't do that today, right? So if you guys would stand up, I'm gonna just uh, give you the benediction. I'd love to read uh, this passage over you from Philippians 2 this morning. Says this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. I pray over each and every one of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon. And we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.